0: Hi, I'm Brett Robinson. Welcome to the Redeeming Hope Podcast where we share biblical truths that'll give you real hope. What is real hope? It's a hope that is relevant, energizing, authentic, and linked to Jesus. I'm just going to share four foundational stones or four threads, maybe you can call them as a thread, if you put the four threads together, it forms a rope, forms something significant, something strong, you know, to guide your path. And for me, I need to have four stones or four threads that I can stand on, that I have a clear picture of, that I know where I'm going. Because, I mean, there's so many things that we can embrace as we begin the year. But um, <clears throat> for me to simplify it down to four core, core things is so much easier. And it really started, funny enough, by... Reading Psalm 100. And um, it says, You know, I will enter his gates with um, thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will give thanks to him. I will bless his name. For the Lord is good, and his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And we've read it probably, you know, like you guys, 10,000 times. So it's a nice Psalm but um, it's not necessarily going to move you because we've read it so many times, except this whole thing just grabbed me again this, this time when I read it and it says, I will enter his gates. I will enter his gates. And the first thing that the Lord said to me is, what gates are you entering into this year? What doors are you going to enter into this year? What doors are you going to create around you for people to enter into this year and I realized that as the psalmist wrote this and he said, I will enter his gates, he made a clear conscious choice, I'm going to enter, he had to stand in front of the gate, he had to position himself in front of the gate, he had to choose which gate he was going to enter and then obviously there were many, many gates that he could have gone through but he said, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving And I feel the, the first thing that God said to me is there are many doors and gates before you this year and you have to choose the right door. Because there's many that we can, that we can enter into. I would say, you know, as, as we went around, you know, different places in England and one of the things we decided to do this time is take the girls and actually go through Windsor Castle. So you actually take the tour. It was amazing because, you know, obviously you've got to enter the gate of Windsor Castle. This is a very imposing situation with guards and machine guns and all those kind of things. Um as we (coughs) you know enrolled in this tour, we went through some significant doors. Can you imagine Windsor Castle? They got some very significant doors, doors that have been there seven hundred years, five hundred years, you know, long time. And um in each door that you enter, you go into another room. And that room has holds special context. You know, you go into the room. This is where the queen and her family have Christmas dinner. This is where they dine together. But this room is a function room where heads of state from other nations come. This room is where the queen invites people who are getting uh, 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 appointed as a as, as a dignitary, as a, they're getting commissioned as Sir somebody, or they're getting knighted, whatever it is. And so they're different functions. We went into the kitchen, we went into different places, but I realized that each gate we go into holds special significance into what's beyond the door. Very special significance. And um and, and and people have been doing that in that you know particular castle, Windsor Castle, for hundreds of years. And this this year, for me, I felt God saying to me, watch over the gates that you're gonna go into. Watch over the doors that you're going to enter into. Um, because doors are an invitation, though they can be an invitation, they're an invitation to come into something that's greater, something that uh, holds opportunity, something that holds potential. And so, there are doors that can be a welcome, you know, you can just, even when you go into your home, you can go into your home as a family or you can go and meet with friends, and you can walk into their door and it can be a door where you will enjoy a meal together. You know, it can be a simple thing. You enjoy fellowship together. You will enjoy, have a good time. You will make memories. Like in the, in Windsor Castle with the Queen, there are doors you're going into, and if you're invited into this room, you're going to be commissioned and become a lord, or you're going to become a knight or a sir, whatever it is. And so there, there are welcoming doors. There are significant doors we can go through that hold a lot of promise. But I've also been through some doors that are awful. You know, I remember... Um, going to Israel, and the tour was going to go to, um, the Wailing Wall, and from the Wailing Wall you go up to the higher place there, and there's the Dome of the Rock. Now that's the, that's the, the temple, Dome of the Rock is a temple for the, for the Muslim faith throughout the world. And the tour were just, you know, I don't know, 50 of us, whatever it is, and said, no, we're gonna to go to the Dome of the Rock, and everybody walked into this door. And I sort of stood at this door, and I thought, ew, it looked kind of eerie to me. But as we went into this door, and there is this big rock inside of it, I actually felt the presence of darkness and the presence of fear and the presence of evil so powerful that I Linda and I said, we're getting out of here. So the tour carried on, and we ran out. I said, I can't stay in there for another minute. Thank goodness we didn't go that deep into it. But I was aware of the fact that there were other people in the tour, and they were walking around and saying, oh, yeah, no, this is fine. And sometimes we go through doors and we don't realize the significance of the room that we're entering into. We've got to become aware of what we're going into so that the Lord, by His Holy Spirit, would lead us and guide us to say, this is a good door, this is not a good door. You know, And, it's, and these four keys, I think, will, that I'm sharing today, will help you make choices so that we can walk in the grace of God in different areas of our lives. So... Um, There are many doors of invitation before you this year, and I want to say this, that you don't have to go to accept every invitation that you're given. You know, many of us, especially with the young children, um, we always look at our grandkids. I mean, there's about three parties every Saturday, and the parents are just going to this party, that party, that party, but in our lives, We've got to realise that there are many invitations that we will be offered to go into a room, or to go into a situation, and we don't have to accept every invitation. There are parties that we don't want to go to, you know, and um, and sometimes we kind of just go into a situation and go through doors, and we're not. It hasn't been confirmed that God is saying this is a door. This is an invitation that you need to accept, or this is an invitation that you don't need to accept. Um, Sometimes we're invited to a party, but it's actually just a pity party. Sometimes we're invited to a party and it's a gossip party, or a blaming party, or a judging party, um, or a complaining or a sad party. You know, we need to choose which door and which gate and which invitation we're going to accept because it holds incredible significance once we go through that door and we partake in what is on the other side of that door. Enter the gates of the Lord, it says. But it says that there's a password. If we're going to enter into the gates of the Lord, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the password. And I think that it's a protection for us. Because if I'm going to go into this gate, if I can go into this gate with thanksgiving, into the courts of the Lord with praise, somehow I feel that will align me with the Spirit of God. It will align me to be led by what the spirit is saying because i'm going in with an attitude of thankfulness i'm going with an attitude of god is my lord god is the one who directs me god is the one that leads me and i trust in him so you know one could preach just a whole sermon just on doors and gates and things like that but i feel that for me is one of my cornerstones i'm going to choose and we just Linda and I just looked back last year at the significant doors God opened to us for ministry, supernaturally, you know, across this nation and internationally, um, supernaturally. And so those are wonderful, but I also went through doors that were not right, you know, and that, that, that caused me to pay a price emotionally, mentally, whatever it was. So don't accept every invitation. Wait up before the Lord so that you can go into that door with the password of Thanksgiving. So that's my first thought. My second thought came from Psalm 23. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And people are talking a lot about that anymore. The challenges of all the enemies, no matter what it is. It can be international war like Ukraine and Russia, or it can be a war that's taking place over electricity and water in our own city, in our own nation and it can be war that you're facing in your business environment situation. But it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And I felt that God said to me, this is the second key for you. Live your life with an overflowing cup. Live your life with an overflowing cup. Now. When a cup overflows, what it means is it's filled to the brim. And the and the word actually describes it, if you go to the message, it says, it's filled to the brim with blessing. Filled to the brim with blessing. And, and it carries on then, of course, it says, Surely your goodness and your mercy, or mercy means loving kindness, your goodness, your mercy, or loving kindness, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell In the house of the Lord forever. So the key for me here is to live my life with my cup overflowing with the blessing of God because it is. You see it's a word. God says live your life with an overflowing cup. A cup that flows over brimming with blessing so that others would be touched and influenced. So it's very important then for us to understand the cup that we are carrying. Because the cup that we carry and how we see the cup that we are carrying will influence the doors that you enter and the doors that you create. You see, if my life is a cup of overflowing, I create a door of people who want to come and draw from what is within that door. You know, and we've seen that supernaturally just insurable, you know, as people there who are needy, who are in gangs, who are drugs, prostitutes, and broken people as we've created a door out of an overflowing cup and we've just generously, you know, not generously, but I mean what God has led us to pour out the courses and the videos and all this kind of thing. Then in December, we just heard this testimony of 65 people, just giving testimony they received from the cup of overflowing. Lynn and I sit there thinking, well, we actually did nothing, really. You know, they're receiving from the, the door we opened so people could come and drink from the cup of blessing of the Lord. And it's a supernatural thing that takes place. Absolutely supernatural. And if I'm, if I've got an empty cup, if I'm walking around, well, you know, my cup's always empty. Um, I will, I will accept invitations to pity parties. I'll accept invitations to complaining parties. I'll accept invitations to a blaming parties or judging parties. And sometimes you don't actually have to go to the party. You have the party all by yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> We can create these little parties in our mind. So it's an event in one sense, but it actually it's a mental state in another sense and an emotional state in another sense. So I gotta see that Jesus Christ through his life has provided that I will drink from the cup of blessing. And that cup is a cup that is overflowing. And I'm carrying in my life the cup of blessing. You know. And so I can respond in any at any time, in any way that God wants me to respond to that. You know, the cup of blessing. I read the story, and I think it's quite an old story, so some of you might have heard it. It's a story about a company in England in the 1900s, and they manufactured shoes. And they decided they were looking for new markets. So they sent a salesman out into Africa. And, uh, go and investigate if there's a market for our company for shoes in Africa. Well, he, he didn't even, buy, he didn't even Before he'd even come back, he sent a message, you know, not, not SMS's like we do, you know, but whatever he, however he did it, he said, um, he came back and he said, no hope. Stop. They don't wear shoes in Africa. No hope for our shoes. So they sent another salesman out and said, will you also go to Africa and said, and see, is there potential? So he said, it's an incredible opportunity. Nobody wears shoes here. (laughs) You know? That's the cup of blessing. You know, either you walk with an empty cup or you walk with a cup of blessing, ready to expound on things that you see. So that's the cup of blessing. Number three, be the light of Christ. Bring the light of Christ to all the people that you meet. Wherever Jesus went, whatever he did, whatever he said, he brought light into people's eyes. He brought light. You know, where there was darkness, He brought light. He gave new hope. He opened a door of hope. He, 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 He allowed people to say, you know, this is a new beginning for me. It's the beginning of this year. We're saying it's a new beginning. It's a new start. And, and, and there's light in our, in our hearts and the light in our eyes is a result of that because it's a light of opportunity. It's a light of believing. It's a light of trusting, you know, and, um, and Jesus released the potential in people's lives. Now, you know, obviously we can preach a whole message just on the light of Christ and bringing the light and all that kind of thing, but I love this story, and this is the story that my my grandson, and, and, and he, she just, come and watch the story about this classical music person. And the, the guy says, I've been a conductor for 25 years, conductor of orchestras, very gifted pianist, you know. and he said, I've been a conductor. And he said, I used to conduct and carry on and all this kind of thing. And he said, it, it was exhausting. But he was, although he was a world famous conductor. And he said, one day, one day I realized that as a conductor, I was not here to drive the people, to carry the people. I was here to inspire the people and release their own gifting. So then, and as I just began to move into that, release their potential, release their gifting and bring them together as an orchestra in harmony and that orchestra made a beautiful sound so I would see light come to people's eyes. And then I began to look at people and see, do I recognize the light in their eyes? And if there was no light in their eyes, then I asked myself the question, who am I being and what am I doing that's not producing light in the people's eyes? And I thought that's a beautiful, precious story. I mean, we know the truth of that because Jesus says, be the light. Don't hold, hide your light under a bushel and all those kind of things. But I thought in life, he, it took the whole burden off him and he just began to be the light. Look into people's eyes, he says, and see whether there's light in their eyes. And, and we can do that every day. You know, we can look at our children and see, is there light in their eyes? We can look at our, Family, members of our family. We look at our co-workers. We can look at, um, the person behind the counter that we, that, that is serving us. And, 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 is there light in their eyes? Linda, we were traveling once in the tube with the girls. Would you remember that, Linda? Uh, Tiana? We were, and there was this girl. She had earrings, most places in her face. And she was sitting there, absolutely lightless. Hey, Tiana? lifeless and lightless. I mean, her eyes sometimes are open, sometimes closed, but there was zero light. Zero light. And I just, it just made me so realize, we can't let, and we were in the tube and we didn't quite know what to do and I don't know what, we could have done anything, because you know, you're on two or three stops in the tube. But every day I want to make sure that I bring light to, to somebody's eyes. And it was, I was really challenged this week because I had to go and talk to somebody about Linda's cell phone, and I was talking to this person and they were serving me, but they were serving me very you know, nonchalantly and they said, well, did you want this or do you want this? Well, I didn't even know what they were talking about. Because they said, well, how do I know what I want if you haven't explained what it is? You know, and my first reaction was to get irritated and uh, I did, I must confess, I, I did get irritated. <laughs> 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 and uh, so I gave her back her magazine and said, look, so if you don't want to explain it to me, then leave it. And then God said to me, "Look at her eyes. Have you brought light to her eyes, or have you brought another form of discouragement?" You know, and I had to apologize. I had to say, "Look, I'm so sorry. I'm irritated about this, but you know, I've, like I've, I didn't explain that to her. But I mean, for me, you know, I had Linda was doing something else. I ran in there, had 15 minutes. I had to get out, and this woman, whatever. It was my problem. I didn't bring light to her eyes." And I think every day we've got to look at the people around us and say, is what we're doing bringing light to the eyes? Or ask ourselves the question, who am I being that light is not shining in their eyes? And with that cell phone lady, you know, I walked in there, light was not shining in her eyes, and I was being irritated, and that didn't help it at all. So that's number three. And then number four, I'm just going to touch on, is something we know a billion times, but... God just spoke it to me through a story which I want to share with you now. And it speaks about the cornerstone of the words that we speak. The thread of the words that we speak. Because that thread of words is wound through the rope from beginning to end. And those words will either build up or tear down. They will either create life or they'll create death. Now, you know, we preach many sermons about just speaking in breath and we have, and there's so many beautiful scriptures like Proverbs 18, it says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 16, 24 says, pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. But the reason I really went for this cornerstone and this, this thread of the words again in my life is because I heard about the story, the story of a lady who went to Auschwitz, German concentration camp. In fact, her whole uh, family was sent to Auschwitz and she tells the story of how her mother and father, the, the two children were separated from the mother and father and they never saw the mother and father again. She said, and then it was me and my brother. I was the elder sister and I had this younger brother. And we were standing there waiting in the trains, waiting to be taken to Auschwitz, and I looked down, and he never had shoes on. And my immediate response is, where are your shoes? And he made some comment of, I've lost them, or, I've done something. And she said, you stupid boy, look after your shoes, you've got to look after yourself, and one can understand the tension and the stress of that situation. you know. But she said she, she reprimanded her younger brother. Within two minutes, they were separated, and she never saw him again and the story goes and it just so touched my heart because she survived and she came out of Auschwitz but she came out and she made this vow I will never again say anything that will not stand as the final meaningful word I leave with somebody I will never say anything that could not stand the test of that was your final word in life, or your final word in that person's life, you know, and that's something that we have to face every single day, because in the world that we live in, you know, it is just like that. And every word we speak could be that final word. If not in my life, it could be the final word in their life. And I can just imagine how this young girl, years later, came out, had to live with what her final words were to her brother. Did it leave hope? Did it leave encouragement? Did it leave a memory or a legacy for people to build on? Did it leave a light in their eyes? That final word. Did it lead leave a light in their eyes? You know, another one about words is Proverbs twenty five, eleven. It says, Words aptly spoken are like apples of gold in settings of silver. So I've just summarized what I've you know, putting into my memorandum, my constitution, my direction for the year, that these four threads will guide my life. These four foundational stones are, which are stones that I can build on. Number one, the doors that we will enter and the doors that we will create. Number two, the cup that we will carry, a cup of blessing or a cup of emptiness, the light we will bring, and the words of life we will speak. And I just also wanted to share, not only for my life, but I felt for redeeming hope, you know, that we could leave these four cornerstones as for people that come in here. Will this be a door of hope that they come into? Not necessarily that physical door, but a door of hope as they're just connecting to our lives, you know. Will they touch the cup of blessing that is just flowing over from within us, blessing of the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Will they touch the light of Christ, and will light come back into their eyes? Those who have lost the light of hope in their eyes, and will they encounter words of life that will encourage them and build them up? Let our let our personal lives, let our cause as Redeeming Hope Church, be that door of hope this year, be that the cup of blessing, the beam of light, and the gate the gate of encouragement and inspiration. Now I must confess that as I started this and as I was preparing it and going through the week I have failed miserably in all these areas. <laughs> I've failed dramatically. More than ever before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I thought, I got to the point yesterday, I thought, I'm putting the sermon as I'm going to watch the rugby. Well that didn't really help much because the first two teams lost badly. Um, and uh, I wasn't a good person to be around yesterday. Took a whole night's sleep, and getting up early this morning, coming before the Lord, and coming again into that door of hope. You know what? It's not how many times you fail. It's the fact is, are you on the journey in the right direction? You know, and I know that the the, the Lord will set a path before you, a journey of right direction. And I'll make some wrong choices. You know, the way I spoke to this person or that person I'm going to make some wrong choices and um, you know I'm the kind of person that when I make wrong choices I, I get kind of hard on myself because I don't want to do things that are a waste of time and etc, etc, hurt people but um, I just want to say that take those four things and if you find yourself missing out on them by Monday phone me because I'll probably be in the same place as you yes. uh, you know what I mean but we are pointed in the right direction we are standing on foundation stones that are going to help us you know, build strong. And we are weaving threads into this rope that are going to be a rope that will be strong and that will guide us. Um, it's a journey and it's a path and let's point ourselves with the help of God in the right direction. So Father, I just thank you that you care enough, Lord, to speak into our lives, to give us words, to give us direction, to help us choose the right paths. And for everyone here, Lord, personally, in their own lives, families, businesses, and for redeeming hope, Lord, I pray that we will be that door of hope, will be that beam of light, will be that word of encouragement, will be that cup of blessing. In Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. I pray that the message of God's word will build your faith and develop a hope that is so strong it's like an anchor for your soul. Go ahead and subscribe and why not share the message with a friend.